0: Good afternoon friends, welcome to the Patrick Lally Show on another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we're going to spend a couple hours here engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, and national news, and politics, and some politics, and some politics, and it's you know, less than a week from an election, so you know, that's what you're going to get. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio with us today. And that's always great. Voice of the Sky Force coming up on Friday night here on KSOO Information 1000. The new season starts Friday.
1: Man, it's going to be great. Is it? Four of the first five games that they play are going to be at home, so there will be early opportunity to get your basketball chones.
0: That's awesome. So you went to Media Day the other day, right?
1: Yes, I did.
0: And uh, did you know anybody there? Yeah, I did. Some of the players, too? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, I did. sometimes there's a lot of turnover, right? There is,
1: but there were a couple of guys that, that there were back for there. they've had their multiple seasons. Yeah. And then the one guy, he said, he said yeah, I asked him, do you have some time? I always got some time for you, DP. So, so <laughs> it was all right. So
0: <laughs> That's nice. Uh, and so you'll be out there Friday night at the Pentagon doing the play-by-play for the Sioux Falls Sky Force.
1: Yeah, so that means you're on your own Friday. Yeah,
0: do you get your chops all, you're ready to go?
1: Yeah, just about. You're feeling it? You know, I started to get a little bit of the of the rhythm going during the exhibition that they had on Saturday. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they had had everything set up and d- didn't broadcast the game. No. But but I was just kinda had the headset on and watching things go back and forth and da 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 oh yeah, I so, was So
0: it's early and it's the D League G League. It's still a G League? It is the G League. The uh uh for Gatorade, right? Correct. So can you tell this early, like, you know, what the process you really can't tell, can you? Like are they gonna be any good or not? It's you know, it's the G League, so you could have guys coming and going all year.
1: You know, it is really hard to tell, but I'm basing my my observations on the players that the Sky Force have mm-hmm. and and kind of studying the caliber of, of the pedigree of of who they got coming in. Mm-hmm. And and they're really really good <laughs> oh, that's I, i'm awesome. not i'm not afraid to say it no, either they're you
0: gonna put it out there
1: yeah and there's a guy who's who was on the cusp of the nba maybe two or three years ago and he'll be coming off the bench oh really so yeah there's that they are going to be real they're i'm i'm looking for I, and, and they're not going to run the table win 50 games that's that's not what i'm saying no but i think and it's possible that a couple of these guys could get an NBA look early in the season, which could also change the yeah, metrics of absolutely. how this team works. But I, I, I watched them play, and they they used a lot of different casts and characters, and and, and how they had things set up. And from what I can tell, I get, and I can't really you know give you the full picture. Mm-hmm. I don't want to you know reveal, let the whole cat out of the bag. That's not fair no, to the team because some some of that's like trade secrets. Yeah, stuff. right.
0: I got it. But uh, they're just as long as they're going to uh, whip them uh, weasels from Des Moines, right? Yes,
1: the hated Iowa weasels. Yes, yeah. wolves. Which they but.
0: don't have a mascot. They're just weasels. Uh, new teams, old teams. What's the what's the state of the? G- I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I'm I am interested. What is sort of the state of the G League this year, Dan?
1: The state of the G League this year is there are 27 teams. Oh, and that's up one from last year. Last year they had 26. The goal is to get to 30. And still might be within the next five years that that happens, but the new team, all right, get get ready for this. Yeah. The capital city, which is based with the Washington Wizards, mm-hmm. so out in the DC area, and the capital city is known for a type of music in the late '70s, early '80s called the Go-Go musics. <laughs> so it's the Capital City Go-Go's.
0: Oh no, that's sad. Are the main uh, clawfish or crawfish, what were they? The main red claws. Red claws, they're still in there? Yes, Okay. they're so still they, a thing. They're dangerously close to having one G League team for each NBA team.
1: That is correct. Wow. And next year, the New Orleans Pelicans will have an affiliate.
0: Oh, so they're just moving. So they'll be 28 year? next year. Huh. And we are, of course, affiliated with the Miami Heat. That's still a good thing, right?
1: That it is.
0: Well. Pays the bills, right, And it's Danny?
1: the 30th season for the Sioux Falls Sky Force. Wow.
0: I don't know if I've ever told you this. I was at the very first game. You were? At the old Sioux Falls Arena.
1: Against and, the uh, Rapid City Thrillers.
0: Yep. It was fun. We had a good time. I went with a bunch of my friends, and I've I've been to many, 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 many Sky Force games over the years uh, in the old arena. Not as many in the Pentagon, but in the old arena. Watched a lot of really wild basketball. It was fun. Oh, yeah. Eric Musselman and all that. Still is fun. Yeah. Uh, we are uh, thanking you for being here with us today on Information 1000 KSOO and uh, streamed live at KSO.com or on the KSO mobile app. And we're on Twitter, of course, at Pilali Show. Get on and follow us there. Uh, just a note, uh, we had uh, Jonathan Ellis on the show yesterday in the, in the second hour. And if you missed that, he mentioned that there's another poll coming um, in the governor's race, uh, uh, Jello and, and uh, ALM, they are uh, together, JALM, they are um, releasing just a governor's race poll, I think. Uh, very narrow poll. Tomorrow, uh, he said it was going to be later this week. It's going to be tomorrow at
1: 1. Ooh, so we're going to get those results here pretty quick. Should be very telling
0: uh, because we've had a lot happen since the last poll, uh, which was the October 18th through the 22nd was when they were doing the polling. This poll probably uh, is was done yesterday, prob- maybe even a little bit today. So they can turn those around pretty quick, but it gets to be hard uh, with a big polling firm like Mason-Dixon to find the time.
1: And it would also be curious to know if some of the people that they polled have already voted oh, God, with early right. voting.
0: That's very interesting. And we'll see what, uh, what role the uh, – advertising and debates played maybe a little bit and we'll find all that out we'll tune in tomorrow we'll talk about it but it's going to be on the various media websites alm and jello tomorrow so give them full credit even if i don't say their name right uh meanwhile we've got a great show for you today uh some other politics that we'll be talking about congressional candidate tim bjorkman of course he is the democrat in the race we had dusty johnson earlier this week Tim Bjorkman will be here for the hour, the second hour. Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day. And I'll have a p statement right after this next break. And today's topic is that troublesome old 14th Amendment. You know it was coming. You know it. Dan, he, just, he didn't even have to look on the sheet. He knew it. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 2018 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I was a bit late there because I'm doing some research. Doing my research over here, Dan, in preparation for the PNL statement. And uh, that time of the day when we look through the news and find things that irritate us and uh, interest us and pique our attention. And today it is, of course, the president. And uh, so, you know, the news the last few days has been all about the... Uh, this effort, this suggestion by the president that he can uh, end birthright citizenship to folks who are in the country illegally, to the children of those folks, by executive order, okay? And we've been talking about a lot about this, but let's, first let's review the document in question that is the focus of this conversation, that is the 14th Amendment. And the question, of course, is whether or not the President of the United States, has the authority, as the chief executive, to simply issue an order that would uh, essentially um, overrule or allow for a different interpretation of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. And if you remember the 14th Amendment, it was passed uh, after the Civil War and after the 13th Amendment, which gave which freed uh, 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 the slaves in the South following the Second World or the Civil War. 14th Amendment does many things, but one of the things that it does is address this issue of citizenship. And Section one. Says. All persons born or naturalized in the United States. And, the subject, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, which is an important phrase, are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So... A lot going on there, a lot of clauses, but the the key points here are all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. And most people have interpreted that to be exactly what it says, a pretty strict reading. There are, there is a group of folks out there who believe this, this notion subject to the jurisdiction thereof means that people are covered by our laws. And if you are in the country illegally, you are not necessarily covered by the laws. And so your children would not be citizens. I mean, that's a, that's an oversimplification. I am no constitutional scholar. I have taken constitutional law, but I am not a scholar. Which leads me to a lot of people who are, and a lot of fact-checking going on, Um, but people on the left and right generally agree that the president cannot, by executive order, contradict the 14th Amendment, and that interpretation is not good, and that he would lose in the Supreme Court. And that there's a lot of reporting on it. But I just I, I'm just looking at a lot of the folks who are commenting. Um, here's Josh Blackman. He is a conservative constitutional law professor at the South Texas College of Law in Houston. And this is uh, he's talking to Politico here. This is not an issue where there's a lot of disagreement. If Trump issues an executive order, he said, quote, someone will challenge it. In five seconds. Um, let's see here. Uh, Roger Smith is a left-leaning University of Pennsylvania political science professor who specializes in constitutional law, has argued, in fact, that the Constitution doesn't require that birthright citizenship be extended to undocumented individuals. So he, in one sense, agrees with the president and that Congress could pass a law denying it to them. But, he says, I know of no remotely plausible legal theory under which the president has the power to decide birthright citizenship rules by executive order. No one except the Trump White House thinks it's a matter of executive discretion. Trump's announcement of this position a week before the election is clearly playing politics with people's civic status and their lives in the worst possible way. This is uh, from Indiana University Robert H. McKinney School of Law, Gerard Magliauca. He says, if this ever did reach the Supreme Court, you would probably get eight or nine votes to say it's unconstitutional. The liberal wing of the court won't like it because they're not going to like something like this generally. But the conservative wing of the court that believes in following the original original meaning of the Constitution can't not possibly look at this and say anything other than everyone born here is a citizen. Hmm. So let's uh, here we go. This is Stephen Legomiski. former chief counsel for U S citizenship and immigration services during the Obama administration. I suspect that even the current Supreme court will find this to be too great a stretch. Um, This is going back to Mr. Blackman who we spoke of earlier. I don't see this going anywhere. I see this mostly as a way to rally support with the election coming up in a few days And it goes on and on and on like this with anybody who has any education in the Constitution basically disagreeing with the president's assertion who whoever has told him this. There are a few people out there. Paul Ryan doesn't agree with him, Speaker of the House. Obviously, he's been widely quoted. Many Republican Congress people are upset with him. This is uh, Ryan A. Costello, Pennsylvania, said Republicans in suburban districts with a large number of immigrants were already struggling to hold on. Quote, so now POTUS, out of nowhere, brings a citizenship up. Besides being a basic tenant of America, it's political malpractice. Also, he said we're the only country in the world where a person comes in and has a baby and the baby is essentially a citizen. That's not true. About 30 other countries have that. That's been widely reported. Uh, George T. Conway III, a prominent conservative lawyer and the husband of Kellyanne Conway, said in an op-ed in the Washington Post, such a move would be unconstitutional and that challengers would undoubtedly win at the Supreme Court.
1: If I may interject. Would you? Let's talk about the the validity of the discussion. You know, if you bypass the president's... Actions and what he wants to do—is this a valid, valid discussion?
0: Oh, well, I'm how getting citizens, to
1: that. Okay, I'm getting All to right. that,
0: Dan. Thank you for that point. I'm just going through that—that that what he says he can do, he cannot do, and this is going to be my point. Uh, even people who support it don't like the timing. Uh, this is a former Clinton uh, administration official now uh, who is president of the Brennan Center for Justice at the New York University School of Law. The executive order is flatly unconstitutional. Let's pretend. Uh, and it's clearly just a political move. And that's there's some wide agreement on that. So the president is just doing this to whip up the base, right? And here's where I have my biggest issue. Because he says stuff like this all the time, right? However, what this does is raise the issue of stepping sidestepping the constitution. All right. And that is a highly abhorrent concept in and of itself. Perhaps Congress could pass this law, right? And you could change the constitution. That is, that's not out of question. Put it before the people, get the ratification. That's how you change the constitution History tells us over and over again that when you fundament, when, a, when a leader, when, a, when a, any sort of politician, a political force tries to sidestep the fundamental document that is guiding that government, those people, that nation, that the guiding principles of the document are undermined and soon the whole concept can fall apart. Now, sometimes constitutions republics fall apart under their own weight france is in the fourth republic i believe i think it's the fourth there are many people that believe the united states is in fact in the third or fourth iteration of a republic even though we have not completely rewritten our constitution and reorganized our form of government but going back to the roman republic the fall of the roman republic and people talk about the fall of the Roman Empire all the time. But the true fall of the Republic, when when individual freedom began to very much be eroded in the Roman system of government, was when two brothers, the Gracchi, Tiberius, it's not Sempronius, there were two brothers, Tiberius, Gracchus, and his brother, who were tribune of the plebs, pushed the boundary of the Constitution and the law and the, the ability of the tribune of the plebs. They were beaten to death by the Senate and thrown in the Tiber. Now, both actions undermined, undermined the Constitution of the Roman Republic and very quickly led to the end of the Constitution and the onslaught and the tyranny of the Empire. Not every historical moment is analogous. I understand that. But the concept, I think, holds true. That when you undermine the Constitution, when you suggest that, in fact, the president has more authority and power than the actual document, that the actual principles under which we are governed, that is a dangerous, dangerous step. And if there are people telling him he can do this, then they... Are as responsible for whatever sort of extra constitutional step this president thinks he can take. He cannot do this. To suggest so is folly. To try to do so is worse. That's the bottom line of today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can email me, patrick at KSO.com. We're way behind. Coming up next after the news and weather, Scott Hudson on Weird Friends. Let's get to it. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Thirty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and uh, that's a little treat for my next guest, Scott Hudson on Weird Friends. I, uh, Scott, I saw you posted something on uh, Facebook about how you got to turn this song way up loud, and it's true. Oh yeah, oh
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it was funny because I was listening, I was on Spotify listening to a certain album, and when it got done, it just started playing songs that fit that album. And uh, boy, it, it, it hit home after a frustrating weekend with uh, family.
0: <laughs> well, it's uh, the replacement's unsatisfied, and it really is a great song. And so, you know, I figured I needed something new for you, and this worked out anyway.
2: It worked perfectly. Cool.
0: Um, hey, man, happy, happy Halloween.
2: Same to you. No, I love Halloween. It, people would not think that of you, maybe. Halloween is the ultimate rock and roll holiday why is that from day one there have been rock songs about uh you you know frankenstein Mm -hmm. and and all the the classic horror things monster the cramps the ramones and uh you know rockabilly itself is kind of halloween oriented
0: yeah that's true i never really and you know what also a lot of really good uh uh parties I mean, you're not, true. for whatever reason, fall has always been leading up to the sort of this late October, November, always a lot of like memorable shows, you know, and I don't know yeah. why that is, but it's true.
2: Well, part of it is it's before it gets too cold for people to come here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true.
0: And, uh, you know, a lot of people hanging out, you know, and so I always like fall and it's a good music time. Um, yeah.
2: And I've done a Halloween Live Ledge probably every year since I started doing it because there are so many songs. It's not just Monster Mash and the, mm-hmm. the obvious things like that. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of great stuff. And, uh, of
0: course, we don't mention uh, Live Ledge nearly enough. Are, are, did you do a Halloween show last week or are you doing one I sure, cool. I sure
2: did. Cool. And I think that everyone should go to scotthudson.blogspot.com download it right now so when the kids start coming to your house you can you can be playing
0: it there you go it's the soundtrack for your evening exactly on live ledge uh available as a podcast everywhere and live on real punk radio every friday from six to eight
2: that's
0: right wow i got that right for the first time you ever. did well I, <laughs> I like
2: that
0: uh but uh, but you know you're so you're a halloween guy but you know there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that goes with halloween that
2: oh yeah i uh, mean i and i I've, I've stated this this stuff many many times on various platforms but i got a lot of rules for halloween. Yeah, you really? And 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 actually there was an addition this year because uh there's a lot of myths that's around halloween and there was a new one that uh supposedly people you got to be aware that your kids may come home with marijuana edibles. <laughs> really? Now That's never happened. That has (laughs) never happened in the history of marijuana edibles. And if it does happen, I want the address because I'll be there in 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) First of all, all, who's going to give away their stash, man?
2: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You can buy like 150 pieces of candy for 10 bucks, Yeah. but um, edibles costs a lot more than that (laughs) nobody's going to spend that kind of money and there's no uh, the myth that druggies want to turn on other druggies no that's never been the case get off it it's never happened no and if you there's never been a razor blade in an apple
0: yeah never right that's just it's, it's an urban myth
2: it's an urban myth but yet I will turn on local news. I'm not going to say, okay, (coughs) (laughs) and I will see these warnings, Halloween warnings every year. And it's like, come on, just think about it for a second. Same with the whole stranger danger, stranger danger, can't let my kids outside. This is the safest night of the year to let your kids go outside. Because there's kids Every porch light is on. Every street light is on. There are people walking every street in this town. adults and kids there's no way anything bad can happen to little johnny
0: it's It's like a national night out
2: yes <laughs> it's the safest
0: night of the year yes. I mean you know a little will somebody cause some mischief, maybe, but nothing really bad is right. going to happen I right mean,
2: when I was when I was ten years old, a twelve-year-old took my Halloween bag. Okay, <laughs> that. whoa! Oh my god, I'm traumatized <laughs> for life because of that.
0: You know, these things do have a, have the sort of. I mean, there there are some things you know you should do probably to, to be safe. I mean, Dan Dan has a report coming up here at uh, at four with some safety tips and that kind of, But people go overboard. They go overboard. Yeah.
2: Everything they go they go overboard. This is look, I'm I don't know my neighbors. I don't. I don't participate in little neighborly events. Halloween is the one day that I kind of like turn my light on and I let <laughs> people into my abode and I hand out handfuls of candy. Handfuls. I give handfuls to every kid that shows up.
0: So the the people in the rest of the neighborhood's like, what's going on over there? Hudson's got it. Hudson, Hudson turned on his lights. That or yeah, I'm sorry, that, 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 that weird guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've never Which seen him why. before. <laughs>
2: Which is why another of my Halloween rules, I think lazy-ass parents who <laughs> take their kids to the mall for Halloween oh, no. need to be investigated by social service. <laughs> because this is, ch- that's not this it. Is, it's no fun for kids. The candy at the mall sucks. <laughs> and just buy them candy, then. Exactly. Exactly. Nobody, I mean, the, the, the employees obviously don't care that little Johnny is wearing you know no. whatever he's wearing they are just excited that they don't have to actually work they just get the handout sucker <laughs> you know and you should
0: go around i mean part of it is you know like you say this is the one night a year when you're going to be a neighbor so yeah this is your chance to actually meet your neighbors say hello
2: and and say thank you and it's a nice it's, a, it's going to be a nice night yes i mean i i am so I stick to my rules so strongly that even when we had the blizzard, Halloween blizzard of, what was it, 91. 91, 92, Alec and I still went trick-or-treating.
0: <laughs> nice work.
2: Oh, so of course. Where'd go, Dad? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was a great dad, believe it or not. <laughs> no but, no. okay, one more rule. Just a, one more rule. Okay, go ahead. I beg all of you people. Forget about politics. For one day, costumes are to be enjoyed by all, not just 30% of the people who agree with you. (laughs) No Trump and Melania costumes. No Hillary and Bill. No Obamas. But if you have a hot mom in the house, she can dress like Stormy Daniels. (laughs) (laughs) So it's secondary figures. Secondary figures. Nobody wants the Hitlers to show up at the front door. No, 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 no. Or if you think that somehow dressing as a mime is the same as dressing in blackface, mm. I'd rather you don't show up at my door. Mm. You know, move on to the next house. Don't I, try
0: and make a social statement with your with your
2: Yes. It, Halloween's supposed to be fun. There'll be a lot of Trumps out there, don't you think? Sadly, there will be. How about a I'd kid rather... as Trump?
0: A kid as Trump. Is that Okay.
2: I I guess, I mean, I'm not going to say you don't get candy because you're dressed like an orange man. I mean, I'll (laughs) still give you candy, but, you know, it's just like the same as if someone comes dressed as Obama. It's like, all right, here, Mm. take your Snickers and get the hell out of here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, that's good. Hey, uh, can you hold on? We'll come back and maybe talk a little bit about some music, too. Sure. All right. This is The Patrick Lally Show, information 1000 KSOO. 350 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And I throw uh, Scott Hudson a little f- curveball there with the jam, but uh, that's okay.
2: Yeah, I was into that. <laughs> just a little something
0: different for you, man. Just try and keep you. I, hey, I just, uh, by the way, on your on your last, um, I'm going to try and, and make this as anonymous as I can. But there's a funny story that uh, uh, from, from uh, parts in Florida, my, my friend, uh, um, we'll just call him Dave. Uh, said that yeah. a certain a certain bar owner, when uh, when Dave was in some live bands, uh, gave him a pot cookie without telling him.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's we, we everybody out there that's who knows a little
2: different just, than Halloween, Andy. Yeah, just is.
0: fill in the blanks on that one. Um, so, uh, uh, what are you listening to, man? What are you listening to?
2: Well, I think it's safe to say that November will be the month of reissues. When it comes to me talking to you, ah yes, uh, because record companies love the box sets for the Christmas time era, and and I love box sets. And yeah. uh, the the latest one came out last Friday. Uh, Fifty years ago, the Kinks put out a record called the Village Green Preservation Society. Oh my! And it is considered. they're by most people. It's considered to be their greatest record, although it was a commercial failure at the time. Really? Oh yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. It didn't even chart in England, let You're alone in America. Me. Yeah. But over the years, due to the fact that it is critically their best album, it has turned into one magazine I read the other day it said it was it's their biggest album selling album of all time.
0: That's incredible. I would not have guessed that either.
2: Yeah, exactly. I would have thought maybe one of those comeback records in the late 70s when the right. record is. But, no, apparently this one is it. But uh, last Friday, a big box set came out. And I can't afford the big, big version. So uh, <laughs> anyone who's listening that wants to buy me a Christmas present, uh, you know, there you go. Um, but it is. I, I did buy the regular remaster of the vinyl. and It sounds great. Um, it is a great, great record. It, it was kind of Ray Davies looking back at, at old time London, which is like a great topic for me to listen yeah. to, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Given
0: that you're going to move to Cornwall. Exactly. When you win, the, you remember that. Yeah. When you win the lottery.
2: Yes. Um, yeah, it's a great, great record. I mean, there's not, there's nothing as immediate as, you know, you Really Got Me or All Day mm-hmm. of All the Night. But there's a lot of great, great songs. We'll
0: Johnny see if we can Thunder,
2: actually. Thunder, Picture e- Book.
0: Yeah, see if we can get this to work here. There it is. The Village Green Preservation Society just coming in under us there.
2: Oh, there we go. Yeah.
0: If people have not heard it.
2: Great song. good record. That was kind of the beginning of the, the kinks kind of moving away from the power chord thing into like a more... Um,
0: Storytelling
2: yeah yeah social
0: commentary
2: exactly
0: yeah i love this record i did not know it was a commercial failure when it came out that's very interesting so that's coming out as a big box set huh
2: came out as a big box set last friday cool we'll have to look for that
0: scott hudson he's uh, on weird friends with us most wednesdays and we chat about music and pop culture and we're going to listen to the village green preservation society as we go out scott thanks a lot buddy have a good halloween thank
2: you you too God save the George Cross and all those who are wanting them is a public service announcement with guitar
0: Fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And Thursday, that's tomorrow, it's the 4th Annual Taste of Sioux Falls, 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Sioux Falls. The city's best chefs come together to show off their culinary art in the most tasteful event of the year to support Sculpture Walk. And we like Sculpture Walk. There will also be a big raffle. Go to KSOO.com for more information. Click on our calendar. Coming up after the break... The News and Weather with Dan Peters and then uh, Democratic Congressional Candidate Tim Bjorkman will be with us for the hour. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
2: 407
0: on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, And I play the House Martins. Bring back an old favorite. Get up off your knees because it's political season, people. You got to do something we've got Democratic congressional candidate Tim Bjorkman in the studio with us today, who, in fact, did do something. He ran for Congress. Mr. Bjorkman, thanks for joining us.
3: Uh, my honor to be here again, Patrick. Thanks I, for having me.
0: I appreciate you coming in. So uh, you are uh, inside a week, man. I bet you thought this day would, would mm. never get here, right?
3: It's been 15 and a half months coming.
0: Uh, and you have you have any idea how many miles you've traveled and anything like that? Can you quantify this campaign for us, sir?
3: I can. Just because of this, I put a new set of tires on like a couple of weeks after I entered the race. So we're just under fifty thousand miles. Holy
0: buckets! One hundred and
3: eighty communities from you know Buffalo to Elk Point and Britain to Edgemont.
0: That's how it works in South Dakota though you still it's still retail, right? I mean, not that candidates in Florida or wherever Texas don't drive a lot, but in South Dakota, it still is and, and probably North Dakota and Wyoming a lot of driving a lot of coffee shops, a lot of just talking to people right
3: I, you know that's the way it should be mm-hmm. um we made a conscious effort and decision to run it that way and so you know i don't sit at home dialing for dollars the 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 people who i talk to who know how to run campaigns and of course i came from as you know the bench and outside the political sphere altogether told me you need to spend hours every day dialing for dollars mm-hmm. i just i just reject that that's not who i am and uh so we've been out traveling you know all through the state whether that's the right way to run to get elected, I don't know. It's the only way I'd, I would run for office, Patrick.
0: You talked about uh, uh, raising money. Well, we'll I'm going to talk about the, the recent poll results here in a minute because uh, I think it's interesting on a couple of different levels. But um, you were able to raise a, a, a fair amount of money. Um, you said you weren't dialing for dollars every day. Um, you talk about not taking money from, from different organizations. Did you have enough money? You're you're almost done now. Did you have enough yeah. money to run for Congress?
3: Yes, we we actually exceeded our 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 goal, modest goal. We're, we're, we I think our FEC report is going to show somewhere around eight hundred thousand, mm-hmm. a little more, a little less.
0: And a million used to be pretty standard for a, for a South Dakota House race. So you're in yeah. the in the ballpark.
3: And you know, here's the reality: we raised more individual donations than all the other candidates combined, over forty six hundred and counting. And so. Um, they're not big donations generally. I mean, we average more in the $100 range. At least that's what the last quarter was, I happen to notice. And, uh, but twice the number of South Dakota donations as our fellow Republican candidate had the last quarter. People don't really, you know, uh, appreciate how regular citizens have stepped up for us to fill in the gap uh, for the PACs and the National Party and the corporate money.
0: Which is which is interesting to me and raises this question, okay? Because uh, the Argus leader and Keller poll came out, and obviously you were behind by a substantial margin. And even if you cut that in half, which I think you made some comment about internal polling showing it half of that. So even if you cut it in half, it was sti- if you say it's ten points, okay. The, the interesting thing to me in that poll that stood out to me so strikingly, and that I uh, that was. Very interesting was the fact that your, when you combine your, uh, the folks who said that they didn't have an opinion of you or had never heard of you, which was mm-hmm. like 23%, it was 62% of the people were in those two categories, which was mm-hmm. astonishing to me. So if you, mm-hmm. if you, if you were funded well enough and, and you were out there working it hard enough, why is it that more people don't know anything about you?
3: Well, in fairness, you know I, n- n- none of the leaders in the Democratic Party knew me we were mm-hmm. we We entered this without any political connections, mailing lists uh, or background and so uh, maybe that speaks to how fundamentally different, difficult it is today uh, to get your message out as a as a candidate who comes from outside of the political uh, arena patrick mm-hmm. we 're really testing whether someone can come from outside of uh, the political process and just step in and run a race for Congress and win. I don't know the answer to it. We know that the odds are tough and, mm-hmm. and it's not really different from the tough odds a lot of South Dakotans face in life and uh, they don't give up when they get a cancer diagnosis or have a business or farm struggling and we're not either. I mean it's, you just you just keep your head down and you keep uh, hustling to meet every voter you can and come on to shows like yours and let people know who you are, what you stand for, what you want to accomplish. But this is the only way I believe we're going to turn America around is if we start sending people to office who don't play the conventional political fundraising game because it's that process and it's not a slight on any other candidate who Mm -hmm. does it. They're just playing by the rules of the game. But I believe it's a fundamentally corrupt game because when they go and take uh like benefit from over 500,000 to pack and super PAC, uh, as one of the candidates has in this this race those are debts well, that to be we fair, elect them
0: to be fair and not just in your race but both parties in the governor's race just both <clears throat> got a huge infusion of out of state cash why well, are you saying that you would have turned down money from the uh the the, the democratic packs that that the you know, got together and pooled money and gave it to Billy Sutton. Did he do the wrong thing?
3: Well, I'm not going to comment on on Billy Sutton's governor's race. I'm talking about mm-hmm. a race for Congress. And the 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 answer to your question is, yeah. You know, I sent back a ten thousand dollar. Contribution from Senator Johnson's,
2: mm.
3: uh, so and 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 told others, you know, people who I would believe in, you know, and, and support their their causes. Generally, this isn't about which packs are good packs and which are bad for me. It's to send a message that the f- the way that we uh, force people to run for office is a fundamentally broken one, Patrick what we tell them is you've got to raise the big money and mm-hmm. you've got to get that from the special interests, the PACs, the corporate PACs, the national party. And then, then when you get elected, the real checkbooks come out and that's what will ensure that you you stay in office as long as you want. That's why we've got a 15 or 20% approval rating in Congress and a, a 90 plus percent reelection uh, rate.
0: Dusty Johnson was on the program on on Monday. It just worked out a very uh, uh, coincidental, but he said that people told him the same thing, but he doesn't think, and he didn't do it. He's not spending hours and hours every day on the phone trying to raise money. Um, Do you think that even though he may have taken money from PACs or whatever, I haven't looked at his report, that he has been, uh, he has approached this in much the same way you have?
3: Well, you know we've we, we he's raised money.
0: He's raised more money than you, but not that
3: much more. Well, he's he's going to raise close to two million. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I th- I think it was just a little close to twice what I had at the last mm-hmm. reporting period. And and you know, I'm not again, I'm not here to criticize right. any other candidate. I want to speak truth as I see it. And the f- the way that we uh, force candidates all too often to run a race to ensure election is flawed because we do force them to spend time raising. And, you know, Dusty uh, has made several trips to Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C., to raise money. He didn't go there, uh, you know, just to visit. And so that's reality. Now, what that does is, Patrick, in my view, is it forecloses lots of good people from ever running because the process is so odious. We force them to raise huge amounts of money, uh and and then conduct a campaign through the media to try to win and most people who are good servants don't want to do that so i want to help be part of fundamentally changing it because because unless we change um the reality that too many of our congressmen uh, owe their jobs their careers to uh, large corporations and the ultra rich, like the Koch brothers, who give lots of money to lots of candidates, including our our uh, fellow Republican here in the race they 're not giving that money to them because they be f- no, want to be a no to be a fine congressman from South Korea
0: I understand that, and there are there are mega billionaires donors on across the political spectrum, and you know that uh, the Koch brothers get. Uh, uh, invoked just like George Soros gets invoked, or I can't remember the name of the next billionaire that uh, Donald Trump has been attacking. But it, it's 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 it is that's the system, right? Yeah,
3: right, and and that's also why, in large part, in my view, we pay twice as much for for health care as the rest of the developed countries. It's why pharmaceutical prices are so high. Why Congress has prohibited Medicare from using its bulk purchasing power to negotiate pharmaceutical prices for our seniors. And it's why Congress struck down a proposal to import drugs that were patented here from Mexico, Canada, Mm -hmm. and Europe so that we could pay the costs that those countries pay rather than the two to seven to 10 times what they pay. And they did that in a very, you know, we we talk about how divided Congress is, that was bipartisan. 10 Democrats joined in striking it down Every one of them got money from big pharmaceutical companies. They're both corrupt, in my view, and the leadership in Washington needs to change. You know, I've called for leadership change in my own party.
0: We're going to come right back and talk more with Tim Bjorkman as we listen to a little bit more of the House Martins going out here. Congressional candidate Tim Bjorkman on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 422 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we're talking to Democratic congressional candidate Tim Bjorkman. And uh, we covered a little bit about poll, name recognition. Um, let's talk a little bit about issues. You brought up healthcare care earlier. Um, you know, uh, it strikes me that perhaps you are on uh, the same uh, philosophical bent here in terms of pharmaceutical prices as the president. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, has been saying recently that the, the pharmaceutical companies have been overcharging Americans uh, for years. Uh, do you agree with the president on this?
3: Well, I don't think there's any debate on that issue. There's a lot of data to support it. It goes beyond that. They've, you know, they've. In, there's several lawsuits all across the United States about pharmaceutical companies who are, uh, you know, producers of opioids that are, you know, basically pushing them, and uh, we've got. Uh, an incredible opioid epidemic. As we all know, it hasn't hit South Dakota with the full force that it will, but it's hit the rest of the nation. And you know, you f- more people have died last year of, of drug addiction than, uh, than died in Vietnam.
0: In some ways, we are lucky that we sort of got a warning in terms of uh, prescribing opiates. And the, the medical community in this region has noticed that and have, uh, and many medical communities have been trying to Seriously reduce the number of opiates that they prescribe. That that uh, awareness probably helps us here to some degree.
3: I think so. Uh, still, as a judge, I saw, uh, you know, the vast, the vastly greater number of cases were methamphetamine, Patrick. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we saw our we saw our drug uh, caseload or our felony caseload in Davidson County double the last two years. I was on the bench, mm. and it was almost all methamphetamine, but fentanyl, you know, which is like fifty times more potent than heroin. Uh, a lot of fentanyl out there floating around.
0: Well, it's dangerous. It, uh, yeah. it, I think it wasn't it fentanyl that killed Prince. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, it's it's dangerous because it's so potent, and people, it's not like getting high on the wacky weed, you know, people can overdose easily, even if they that wasn't their intent.
3: And there are different types of people, it seems to me, who, who struggle with a meth addiction, uh, often from those who suffer from the opioids. A mm-hmm. lot of opioid users, uh, they cut across economic strata, and a lot of them suffered chronic pain or suffered an injury mm-hmm. where they got hooked on the drug and very hard to get off it. So, Totally different uh, issues, all of them very serious.
0: This has been a state issue more than a federal issue, but you're a judge, so you can weigh in. Do we need to build a methamphetamine prison, or are we—I mean, that's an extreme example, but are we still—we uh, the felon? have felony ingestion, for instance, in this state, which has become an issue in the uh, AG's race. You're not running for a state office. But ex- what does your experience tell you in terms of, is that felony ingestion law— Really doing us any good in the state of South Dakota?
3: I wrote you know a law review article on this, and it had to do with the path that people take to get to prison how do you How do you grow up and go to prison and a part of that addressed the astonishing rise in methamphetamine felonies drug felonies as a whole um, and so I'm just going to share my own views on that um, here's the problem it doesn't matter ultimately whether we uh, charge ingestion as a felony or a misdemeanor, uh, the, vast, the vast number of ingestion pleas were pleas that were really possession. Uh, and what we're talking about is if you have the drug in, uh, without having used it, that would be a possession. Mm-hmm. But if you ingest it and it's found in your blood system or through your urine in a metabolized state, that's an ingestion charge. You already took it. Now, what's the difference?
0: Do, it's just whether or not it's harder to it's harder to prove the p- possession because
3: you can throw it away or you can it's in your the evidence is in your blood. Same drug problem exists. Though, right? You took the, in one case, you're about to take it. In the other case, you took it. Mm-hmm. The reality, though, Patrick, is that in the vast number of cases where there's a plea to ingestion, mm-hmm. there was also a possession charge. It was a plea bargain. So I well, think that raises
0: the question whether these uh, minor possession charges should be felonies as well. Yeah,
3: It does. Here's So back to my point, the real issue is why aren't we treating people's needs in the community, Patrick? Uh, you can talk to Sheriff Milstead, who, I, as I understand it, is now the largest provider of mental uh, mm-hmm. health care in the state. Pretty much. And the f- first thing he told me, like every other sheriff all across the state, I'll bet we talked to 40 or more of them, what can we do? And the answer is the same. It's like in unison. It's like they practiced it. Treat people's mental illness and addiction before they get into the criminal system because we're not equipped for for their, all this mental illness. What we don't as a public understand is that roughly half of all uh, drug addicts have an underlying mental illness. Mm-hmm. And meth is a particularly um, dangerous drug for a, a multitude of reasons, but just one of which is it has the same active ingredient needed to treat attention deficit disorder. And a lot of kids who come out of Highly chaotic homes exhibit those those same tendencies. And what they tell you on their first use is that everything slows down. It's a huge trap, and their lives begin to unravel even further then. So we made a huge mistake when we didn't expand Medicaid in this state. Like North Dakota, our mm-hmm. sister state, like Mike Pence's Indiana. Which that was a laboratory of the state's opportunity to use some innovative approaches to get health care to indigent people and working poor. We're giving up over $300 million compared to what North Dakota gets every year. That, what we need is treatment facilities that are secure and inpatient. That's what we need.
1: We're going
0: right, to come right back and talk more with Tim Yorkman, who's a Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives, right after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we are continuing our conversation with Tim Bjorkman. He is a Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives on your ballot on Tuesday against uh, Republican Dusty Johnson, uh, Independent Ron Rajorek, and Libertarian George Hendrickson. Do I got I got all those right now, don't I? Yes, you did. You've you've come to know those fellows pretty well, haven't you?
3: I have. Yeah, and well, uh, yeah, they're all they're all good people.
0: Um. So you, uh, in the last few days here, uh, you're headed out. Everybody's doing their big tour. We're at final tour, final push. Where does the uh, Tim Bjorkman cavalcade headed next and uh, up through the end of the uh, season here?
3: Well, we're starting out bright and early tomorrow, Patrick, and we're going to be in Madison at 1030 and then from there to Brookings, follow I-29 up to Watertown and then over to uh, Aberdeen for an evening rally. Then we're going to be in here on the next day uh, in Rapid City tomorrow night or f- Friday night. And then uh, on Saturday, we'll be in Mitchell at 1.30, and then at, at Yankton at 4, all culminating here in town at the El Riot Shrine, downtown Sioux Falls on Phillips, uh, 5.30 Monday, the night before the election. Uh, Last Call Band, the El Riot Rock Band, will be playing, and Hex Barbecue will be serving. It's uh, all free, free will uh, offerings will be taken. We're just going to have a, a night of celebration and uh, rally. And get people out to, uh, you know, work on calls and so on uh, for the for the day following.
0: And where are you going to be on Election Day?
3: I'm going to spend most of that at home in Canastota, and then come to Sioux Falls that night for yeah. for the uh, event.
0: Now, uh, Democrats all rallying in one place on uh, on Tuesday night. I can't. I have not checked all the uh, logistics on that, but that's usually how that works. We you know?
3: are. Yeah. It, it'll be at the district.
0: Oh, okay, perfect. Yep. That's big enough. Should be rock and roll. You know, a
3: lot of enthusiasm, and we've got some really good candidates. I, I'm so impressed. Legislatively, our slate uh, with Billy and uh, and Randy and the others.
0: What do you think of the new NAFTA? Um, uh, by my, uh, I, I I've been very critical of the president for tearing down NAFTA as the worst deal ever. When actually, it was very good for South Dakota and for agriculture and for a lot of people. I'm as as I'm reading about the new NAFTA, the uh, I can't even remember what the the new act acad- the because uh, the uh, it's got a lot. It basically is NAFTA with some revisions. Are you pleased with the way this has been renegotiated?
3: Well, I'm pleased that in, that unlike uh, uh, how he dealt with China, he actually sat down and renegotiated these. I think that's the that's the biggest victory for the American uh, producer and the American citizen. Uh, why we couldn't do that with China still escapes me. Why we aren't in TPP. Uh, why we didn't renegotiate with people and stay at the table and use negotiating skills—that all escapes me. So, uh, NAFTA, uh, you know, it needed freshening up. Uh, we still have underlying problems, but I, I think it's uh, cosmetically not—it's cosmetically changed a little bit. It's the same from everything principle. I've been able to read. The same as what we had with a few tweaks, uh, I like the idea that everybody gets sixteen dollars an hour you know type of thing for mm-hmm. auto, auto manufacturers and so on. Keep more of those in the United States
0: and it continues the good parts for agriculture
3: it continues the good parts and and, and it helps it helps dairy uh, you know I think, but really we, we still have an overproduction problem with dairy that that isn't going away with that with that bill
0: um, Can we win a trade war with China
3: well. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know. But uh, why would we start one when we can use negotiating skills and use the international community? Uh, I think that's what happens when you get away from the Constitution. You know, we got a lot of people who, who talk about sticking to the Constitution. So why, did, why is the president who has no constitutional authority to impose a tariff the one who sets it? And it's a feckless Congress that's brought that about. So back in April, I was calling for Congress before the first tariff was imposed. Take back that authority. Uh, That's a constitutional duty of Congress. We see how that can can go awry when any one person, which is what the founding fathers uh, were concerned about, starts to impose a tax. My concern with China is they're not subject to the elections like we are. Uh, This is a source of national pride for them, too. And uh, they're going to do everything they can to create new trade routes uh, that it took us 35 years to establish. And what I think of is we need a fighter for South Dakota agriculture, and we don't have one there. We need someone to stand up for them. And, and you know, it's going to be tough for these young farmers when they sit across the, from the banker this winter, just like you and I are <laughs> now, and they look at uh, – you know the prices where they're at. Corn under three dollars, and and beans, you know, two dollars lower than they were this spring. And well, they were weighed down this spring. Uh, it's not going to cash flow for them. It's not going to work. And real people, real farmers, are going to suffer. But it's not just that. It ripples through the whole community, as we know. We're so tied to agriculture, and we're so tied to the. Um, international trade, that this is already affecting us all across uh, the state in many ways.
0: Let's talk about another constitutional issue just briefly. It was news of the, the, the last couple of days, and that is the president's toying with the idea, and maybe not seriously, to uh, uh, end citizenship for uh, those uh, born in the United States by uh, parents who are here legally. Um, you know, a lot of people say he can't do that by executive order, but what should be done should there are there are people on the left and right who think that that uh, citizenship by birth could use reform? Can it?
3: We get into all these little these side topics on the issue of immigration, mm-hmm. and I think we it misses the fundamental point. This is a solvable problem. You know Congress had it solved except for the Republican house kept it from going to the floor. Had it gone to the floor, it would have passed. We all know this so it's being used as a political football to divide us um i i believe in for example uh you know continuing to strengthen our borders we've been working at that for 10 years smart fencing more patrol uh uh more aerial patrol and aerial photography and more troops and i believe in uh in this uh, after a year's um warning and waiting period i, b- I believe in uh e-verify being used not mandatorily but that if you're an employer and you're hiring people who are not undocumented and you didn't go through E-Verify, then it should be on you, not the hiring person, the CEO. If we're serious about uh, solving that problem, let's do it. If we're not, let's quit talking about it. But shouldn't that's a solvable more problem. In,
0: shouldn't we be letting more people in to take the jobs anyway?
3: Here's the thing. This is my view. We've got – I've been talking about this all through the campaign, you know, these 10 to 12 million – Americans who aren't in the workforce but are of working age, they're the kind of people I saw in court. You know, the data shows overwhelmingly they're people who struggle with untreated mental illness. Mm -hmm. They're people whose mental illness turned into addiction. They're people whose addiction got them a felony, sometimes two. And when they stand in front of an employer with a job application and those employers see that kind of a background, they're not going to hire them, and they quit. They give up looking. The vast majority of people who I saw on the bench wanted to work. They may have struggled with not having a work ethic modeled in their home, but they, 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 left, they, they turned 18 without uh, a job skill, without a diploma, and without any hope. That's a recipe for drug addiction, Patrick. That's what we've got to address. And so, yes, while we're struggling with... Lifting these people up and getting them to be taxpayers again and helping them to be safe parents because three-quarters of the abused kids suffer at the hands of an untreated addict. While we're working at that, yes, temporarily I think we need to make sure our our workforce is met. But the fundamental problem with our workforce shortages has to do with our own people who – aren't being treated. And my concern with immigration is it papers over that problem and we're not treating these people's needs and they and their children and their children's children are going to continue to suffer in cycles. So what you're saying is is
0: instead of looking um, across the border, look internally, find, but to do that, you have to have effective uh, and some would say expensive social programming to try and pull those people back up above that line of accountability.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of it. The, the thing we're, we're missing is we pay for universal health care already. It's just that um, it's distributed very unevenly. Uh, people who are foreclosed from timely health care get it in our emergency rooms, our mm-hmm. hospitals, and our and our jails. And so that a nonprofit, uh, there may be 40% of the caseload uh, who comes into the hospital who are addicted. And one hospitalist told me that was her percentage. They spend tens, sometimes hundreds of thousands, not to treat them because their duty is to stabilize mm-hmm. so that they can return untreated to do what got them there. It's very broken. It's very costly. We need to get a system, and I'm willing to work across the aisles to do it, that gets everybody into timely coverage, everybody paying what they can. And we do need to commit to mental illness treatment and addiction treatment. That'll improve our workforce, lower our prison and jail numbers, and reduce crime. We're going
0: to come right back and finish up with Tim Bjorkman. He is a Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives on your Tuesday ballot. This is The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe I won't feel so
2: 450
0: on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're talking here with Tim Bjorkman, who is the Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives on your Tuesday ballot. Um, we've hit a lot of topics today. Um, the I want to talk about the economy just briefly cuz it's so important and we haven't talked about it at all. Uh it, it, we're growing. We're growing at at 3% somewhere. I mean, some people think we'll hit 4, that's probably a stretch and 4 is maybe too fast. Uh but but things are going pretty well. Um that the, the Trump administration uh continues to tell us um that we're not taking that seriously enough and Unemployment is low. Wages are actually growing at some degree. Uh, there's investment happening. Things are looking good. W- what's the problem, Tim?
3: Well, let me tell you the other side of the coin. Uh, wages r- grew at about 2.9%, which is roughly what inflation is. It's mm-hmm. offset it. But it's
0: still higher than it had been for a while. Wages had s- completely stagnated for a while.
3: They had, and, and inflation was low. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at the real, you know, w- as we know, the real difference. Uh, and it's very modest. We're at we're into well into a, a recovery or a, a run up in the market that's gone on for uh, what seven or eight years mm-hmm. now.
0: The market's not the economy, but yeah, I, and, it's
3: a reflection. And so Wall Street has done well. We gave them we gave Wall Street this enormous tax break, a forty percent corporate tax break. When, in my view, what we needed to do is close their loopholes and even and lower the rates that and make it revenue neutral, Patrick, we gave a huge amount away. Uh, to corporations and aren't getting anything in return. And the
0: corporate income tax, which was reduced in the tax cut, what did need to come down, right? Because it was at 32 and it needed to be lower. Yeah,
3: it was, it was at 35 and some industries paid that, but others paid yeah. like because nothing for years, yeah. like GE. So yeah, it needed to close the loopholes, lower the rates to make them more uniform with the international community. Somewhere in that 25, 27% rate, I would say. Uh, but here's what we did then we of course paid for that with a hot check uh that our grandchildren my grandchildren and their generation is going to have to pay to the tune of 1.5 to 2. Point, uh, to 2 trillion somewhere in there and the sad thing is we've gotten very little economic bang for the buck the market is lower now than it was when the when the new law went into effect um But there's still been expansion in the economy Expansion has continued but it 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 isn't it isn't anything that we didn't see in the last administration where there were several quarters of four percent growth uh, in the earlier part of this decade. so the real problem is this: what do we do in the next economic downturn? you know how do we stimulate the economy? We st- we stimulated it in boom times, relative boom times, and we didn't do anything to address the underlying needs with of the middle class families. In fact, we took away the personal exemption of f- middle class families, so that like K and I, with a family of six, those families aren't getting a separate deduction to recognize the cost of caring for each family member that that uh, real families experience. And the but rice- the overall
0: dedu- the, the, the the family deduction. The overall individual deductions went up that was part of that was part of the tax cut.
3: no right? what they did is they, actually what they did is they doubled the the uh, the uh, standard deduction mm-hmm. but it didn't but yeah. in doing that it took away the ind- the personal exemptions so that it didn 't work out for families of more than two or three children.
0: It made it more enticing to take the standard deduction
3: yeah and didn 't recognize the cost for these other kids so that 's one thing, and we also suffered, um, you know, in other ways in the tax law with lower and middle income families not getting any benefit out of a home mortgage, whereas the upper class does. So the bottom line, health care costs are are rising, taking away uh, opportunities for employers to raise costs, hurting our international competitiveness. We've got some real headwaters coming our way.
0: Tim Bjorkman, he is a Democratic candidate for U.S. House of Representatives on your Tuesday ballot uh, amongst four, uh, Dusty Johnson, the Republican, Ron Majorek, the Independent, and uh, uh, George Hendrickson, who is a Libertarian. Uh, uh, Mr. Bjorkman, thank you very much for coming in today, and good luck
3: on Tuesday. It's great to be here again, Patrick. Thanks for having me.
0: Coming up after the break, we'll tell you what's coming up tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. (laughs) 58 on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo hey friday that's uh this week is first friday downtown a special day of shopping food art and entertainment downtown sioux falls free admission to the Curie science and discovery center and visual arts center it's just a good time to be downtown On the show tomorrow, Don Hager from American for Prosperity will talk IM25, Chad Picard of The Spoken Sport previewing Cranksgiving this weekend, and The Smart Cyclist is our weird friend of the day. You're going to want to join us for all of that. It's going to be a good time. This is The Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KFORN.